Today I will be reading Matthew 28:18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. Good morning, church. First of all, we need to clear up some misperceptions out there. Um, I know most of you and some words that have been used to describe me over the years. Extrovert. Excitable, loud, dramatic, and that hurts (laughs) because I do have a softer, quieter, introverted side, a a side that perhaps my nephew Reagan would lovingly say is my whoop side. It's my more sissified side. I enjoy a bubble bath every now and then. (laughs) I enjoy a good musical now and then. And and, and I mean classy ones, not ones like Hamilton or or Les Mis. I'm talking the deep stuff like high school musical, one, two, and three. (laughs) I've been known to frequent medieval times in Dallas without children. So I just want you all to know, I have an introverted side as well. And and then when you add in the fact that, you know, I'm I'm tired. Um, About 13, 14 days ago, got in a car with five of my seven children. We drove 15 hours to to Colorado, spent 10 days there with, with my family, extended family. Got in the car, drove back 15 hours, and then... Friday night, Bonnie and I had agreed beforehand to go speak at camp, so it's another drive out there. We speak at camp. We get back at 1.30 in the morning, and oh, man, I, I am just so tired. And so I just want to tell you in advance, today's sermon is just going to be a little different. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Ten days in Colorado with my parents and my brothers and my nieces and nephews, most of which I really like. (laughs) What a blessing that we were all healthy enough to go and experience God's beauty differently. Loved getting back to Texas, but you guys know in Colorado you see God's beauty. And then to get to go to camp. Oh, camp. We first get there and the first thing we do is we go down and we watch One, two, three, four, six, seven baptisms at camp. And then to get to speak with my wife. The lady that has molded me and shaped me more than anyone besides Jesus. And to get up there and get to speak with her. And then when when our talk was over, we had one of our amazing moms at Arms of Hope get up and sing this unbelievable song. Oh, man, it gives me chills just thinking about how incredible the whole thing was. And then through all that, I'm like, oh, I get to go back to my crappy job at Arms of Hope. Nope. It is the most amazing place in the world. You know, five years ago, I've been at Arms of Hope for ten years. Five years ago, I'm in the role that I'm in now. And I was a little, not timid, but I was always real. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's a great ministry. Didn't want to come across as, are you kidding me? It's the best ministry on earth. 
Those moms and those kids out there are warriors. The fact that we are able to do as much as we do with the money that we receive is nothing short of a miracle. The amount of people we serve is unbelievable, and I am so blessed. So my point is, you're not getting introverted, Troy. You're getting Troy extrovert on steroids this morning. Are you ready? All right. Let's roll. Father God, we thank you for this day, Lord. It is truly good to laugh and to be joyful. The fact that we are here this morning, Lord, that we are healthy enough to be here is a blessing. There are people that aren't because of that. Father, that we have food on our plate, a roof over our head, clothes on our back. May we never be people that take those things for granted. Lord, I pray that the words that you have been putting on my heart the last month or so to share will come out clearly and boldly, Father. That we as a church will move forward rather than remain stagnant. In Christ's holy name, amen. By the way, speaking of clothes, um, I assure you I would feel far more comfortable in khaki pants this morning in my jacket. Jackets seem to hide some things about physiques. But that's the one thing I did forget. I left my clothes at the cleaners and I didn't have time. And if you're out there going, well, the least you could have done is tucked in, be thankful I didn't tuck in. All right, just <laughs> Jesus is okay with it. You get okay with it too. All right, so here's the deal. A little math. We're going to go over two stories. I'm going to give you two challenges for seven days based on one incredible scripture. Okay? Two stories, two challenges, seven days, one incredible scripture. I was with a couple of friends of mine um, in Dallas, and um, one of them is, a, is an amazing man. You know his mom probably really well, Beverly Ross. His name is Josh Ross. He's a preacher at Sycamore View in, in Memphis, and I've been blessed to be very tight with Josh for a number of years, and we were sitting there at the dinner table, and he said, hey, you know, I'm going to give you a three-book challenge. If you could only have three books in the Bible, what would they be? And so I encourage you to do that. Um, just think about that. What three books would you choose? And Josh went first, and this other guy went, Kevin Huddleston, the guy that preached here a couple weeks ago. And then when I did mine, it was interesting. Two of my three were Old Testament books, and it just kind of hit me how much I really love and the nuggets that can be in the Old Testament. So both of these stories are from the, the Old Testament. Okay, so one of the books that I chose was Exodus. And if we did a family feud and said, top stories in Exodus, what would, what would be chosen, right? Burning bush, y'all with me? Burning bush, number one. Number two, maybe the plagues, okay? For people that really read closely, golden calf is in um, Exodus, uh, instructions on the ark or the tabernacle. And of course, Moses being born, he floats down. All those things would be in there. What probably would not be in there is a story I want to talk about today. Two amazing women by the names of Shipra and Puha. Shipra and Puha. Now, how many of y'all have children named Shipra and Puha? Raise your hand. Wow, that's awesome. Anybody? Anybody even do the not so brave thing with names where you go, I'll make it a middle name? Anybody, Shipra, Puha? You know, we have Martha's, we have Mary's, we have Elizabeth, we have Abigail, but no Shipra or Puha. Although Abby could be a Puha from time to time. <laughs> Exodus, chapter 1. Before the plagues, before Moses in the burning bush, before he floats down the river, we have this. Exodus, chapter 1, starting, let's go ahead and start in verse 15. Exodus 1.15. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shipra and Puha, 
When you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool, which, by the way, was two big rocks. You put one half of your buttocks on one rock, one half on the other, you squat and you deliver. Sounds glorious, doesn't it? But you didn't get a bill. Okay. (laughs) If it is a boy, this is the Pharaoh commanding the Hebrew midwives. If it's a boy, you kill him. But if it's a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Skipping a little bit for time's sake. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. A couple points of this story. I like to call this story Stop. Stop. Something came up to Shipra and Puha, something that wasn't right, something that was going to be tragic, something that was going to be a catastrophe, and they took action and they stopped something from happening. A couple of other points. Commentaries say that there's no way, it's impossible with the amount of Hebrews that Shipra and Puha were the only midwives. So a great deduction to make is that they were leaders. They were the head midwives. But every commentary I read said that probably the people underneath them obeyed them. So the midwives underneath Shipra and Puha followed their lead, and it saved all these Hebrew boys. Number two, Shipra and Puha, they they did their part. We know later in Exodus that Pharaoh wasn't satisfied with that, obviously. It doesn't work. So what he did was... He then started saying, let's kill all the boys a little later. We're going to throw them in the river, etc. Hence, when you have Moses float down the river. So it didn't stop everything. It just bought some time. They did their part. When the baby's coming out, if Shipra and Puha would have done it immediately, there's no chance for the baby. Zero. Done. All the boys would have been dead. The fact that they didn't do that and it took them a little while longer, then you could hide the baby. You could have the Moses situation. So there wasn't this unbelievable glory to the end for Shipra and Puha. They just did their part. They were ordinary people doing ordinary things for God. That's catchy. The church ought to use that. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things for God. You know, it reminds me of like a baptism, right? You know, we sit up here and we see someone that gets baptized. I've been blessed in the past as a minister to get to do that. And then, you know, you, you hug on the person that, ba- that, that is getting baptized. And then you usually hug on the person that baptized. You're like, oh, you're awesome. Way to go. You know, that's just one little part of the journey, isn't it? What about the person that showed them kindness along the way? What about the person that invited them to church? What about all the Sunday school teachers along the way that planted seeds, planted seeds, planted seeds? So remember that. Stop doesn't mean the whole, glory, the whole glory thing happens. It means that they did their part. Then what's cool, they got rewards for their actions. Their actions didn't come rewards from men. Their actions produced rewards from the Lord. You see, all the commentaries I read said that as midwives, most likely they were barren. Hence why they were midwives. But it says here, because of what they stopped from happening, because they fear God, God rewarded them with families of their own. They stopped. They took advantage of the opportunity presented, and they did amazing things. They were ordinary people doing extraordinary things. This church is is, is unbelievable um, in the way that you guys treat people, the way you partner 
um, with the amazing ministry that, that I work for, and I really appreciate that. And there's certain, when I read this scripture, I'm just going to tell you, there's, certain, there's, there's, there's a certain person that just popped out or a certain couple that popped out at me that remind me of Shipron Puha. Maybe you two can start calling each other this. It'd be a cool game you could play. But, but Chad and Haley Warner. You know, that, that's what I thought of when I read this. Not only Chad and Haley's work with youth a while back, but, but the way that they treat the moms in our class. Oh, my gosh. It, it, it's a breath of fresh air. They're doing their part. As I talk to moms at Arms of Hope and I say, how do you like the class on Sunday morning? How do you like the game nights that they do? They're like, we feel like we're part of something. That's a Shipra and Puha moment. Okay, so the first story stopped. Second story I want to share with you is a, sh- is a story of go. So we have stop and, don't put an or there, we'll talk about that in a minute, and go. So the story of go is kind of a shocking story for that person. I want you guys to get it in your head right now that I want you to do something shocking with your go. So, you know, sometimes you get shocked, right? So when, when we're in Colorado, just an amazing time, had fun, but, but sometimes things jump out at you that you weren't expecting, right? Like, like one of them was we learned on Yahtzee. I guess Yahtzee in and of itself is too complex for the Robertson family. So, so we started playing Yahtzee just straight down the scoreboard. Any Yahtzee fans out there? Anybody play Yahtzee, right? So we just went after ones first. So even if you got a Yahtzee of sixes, nope, got to go on your ones. It was hilarious. That was a shock to me how much fun we had. But the biggest shock of all, Last night, we're in Colorado. We're, we're out on the, the back porch. It's me and Doug and Clay and Allison and nieces and nephews. And somehow we got on this kick where we went to our, our iPhones and we went to songs, okay? Your library, not your playlist, that's cheating. Your library of songs. So over the years, all the songs that you amass on your iPhone. And we went to all the songs, and the, the game was you had to hit shuffle. So you don't know what's popping up. You had to hit shuffle, and everyone had to listen to the first verse and into the chorus, okay? Now, I want to tell you, I was excited about this game. You want to know why? Because I was 100% confident that my playlist, my songs, and my library was going to rock their world, okay? I just knew it. They were going to be so impressed with me. Even at 46 years old, I don't know why, but I always want to impress my two older brothers, okay? And so I'm like, they're gonna, man, my nephews are going to think I'm cool. My nieces, I don't care. They're girls. They're going to do this. You know, they're not going to care about my music. But, man, they're going to love this. So I thought one of four things was going to pop up when I hit shuffle. Either A, all my Toby Mac songs, because I love me some Toby Mac. B, worship music. C, good 80s music. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Come on. Good 80s music, right? Or number four. My new thing I'm into, my playlist called Songs That Make You Cry. Okay? I have 100 songs on there. They're deep, man. They're like Scottish dirges and soulful music and just songs that'll make you cry. So all four, I'm like, one of those four is going to come up. Any of them are good. Let's roll in this. So Doug hits shuffle. Bloop. Doug comes up with what I think Doug's going to come up with. Unbelievable, old Texas country music that you're like, where did you get that from? That's so awesome. I mean, the, oh, this is a local artist in Texas that sung about the Guadalupe River. Or, oh, this is about pearl snaps. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. So, Doug, victory. Clay goes. You get a lot of Neil Diamond and Lionel Richie with Clay. <laughs> it was awesome. So that was, that, was, that was pretty cool. Now, Clay did throw out an 80s song. And I have to admit, getting to see Allison relive some drill team moves. Was, was fun too. 
But then it's my turn. Here we go, man. I'm confident. No shocks here. I hit shuffle, and what comes on? But an unbelievable teeny bop song. I'm like, how did that get in there? No problem. Let's go to the next one. Comes around to me again. Hit shuffle. Another Disney teeny bop song. We did eight different rounds. Six of my eight were teeny bop songs. But my nieces loved me. So I was shocked. But you know what? After I got over the shock and the laughter, and and I was like, that's all right. That's who I am. I got a little Disney in me. It's okay. So I think of the same thing with this next story of Go. So in Judges chapter 6, and we can't read the whole thing because of time, so let me jump around. But when you have a chance, please go back and read Judges, all of chapter 6. It's a story of someone we, we know about, Gideon. And we're not going to get into the battle and the, the signs of fleece, etc. But, but let me read you a little bit from Gideon in the Go part. Judges chapter 6. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, seven years of this, the Israelites had to prepare shelters for themselves in mountains, caves, and strongholds. It was bad. They cried out to the Lord. They had hit rock bottom. They cried out to the Lord. He sent them a prophet and said something cool is about to happen. And then the angel of the Lord came to Gideon. Verse 12. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Other translations have it man of valor. Some have it as hero. This phrase is the only time it's ever used in the Bible. Samson, David, Peter, None of, none of them get this phrase, this hero phrase, this man of valor. And we learn from Gideon that he's like, what are you talking about? I, I'm the weakest in my clan, and my clan is the weakest in Israel. Why in the world would you be coming after me? So then Gideon says, if you want me to do this, I need a sign. Not the fleece sign that comes later, but I need a sign. And so the Lord gives him a sign. And even though the Lord gave him a sign, even though an angel came, Gideon still can't quite go all the way because they say to him, we want you to tear down your father's altar to Baal, worshiping false gods. So Gideon took ten of his servants, verse 27, and he did as the Lord told him, but because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. So what can we learn from Gideon about Go? Well, first of all, the Israelites sinned again. And if you read a lot in the Old Testament, you'll, you'll, you'll see that pattern. You'll see that rhythm of the Old Testament of the Israelites sinning again, crying out to God. Saying, but here's the great news. God never gives up on them, and he never gives up on you. He never, ever gives up. Now, it took them to hit rock bottom. I mean, they were truly being oppressed so hard they had to leave their homes and go live in caves. That's rock bottom. But finally... They cry out to him. And I encourage you today, if you're at your rock bottom, to cry out to him. He never, ever gives up on you. Next thing I want you to remember out of this ghost scripture is Gideon, Gideon had it in him. Interesting, later on we learn that Gideon has a servant and an armor bearer. That's something interesting. So just because he was the lowest in his clan, the low, it doesn't mean that he didn't have some warrior in him. We're told in scripture that we are all sons and daughters of the king. We have it in us to do amazing things and to go. 
But I do believe, like David, like Moses, like Jeremiah, the reason Gideon was picked, because he had some humility in him. And I think a lot of times, especially in this day and age, that humility and gentleness equates to weakness. And it certainly does not. Humility, gentleness, and kindness are fruits that we all should have. And the last thing I want you to remember about Gideon in this ghost scripture is baby steps are okay. At least he went. Because sometimes we get a little prideful, don't we? And we're like, oh man, if an angel appeared to me and told me to do this, and I, oh, I would, how, I can't believe he did it at night. Are you, guys, it's still scary out there, isn't it? In this world, isn't it scary? You, you're here and you're all, oh, and you get out, and almost immediately there's an attack coming, and it's scary. Baby steps are okay. At least he went. At least Peter got out of the boat. You with me? So we have two stories. Stop, Shiprampuha, and go. Gideon. So my challenge, too, is going to be for you guys and all of us collectively to stop and go. All right, so what's this going to look like? So let me set it up, and then we're going to watch a very short 30-second video of a star in the making. So where I live in Medina, you go to this gate, and you go up this about 100 yards straight away, and it goes up this hill to our house. And my youngest daughter, Libby, loves to do something called rock and roll roller coaster. So as we pull up to the gate, she'll say, Dad, rock and roll roller coaster. And so we play rock and roll roller coaster and we take off. So this is what it looks like when we do it. You have the video? Something broke. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the rock and roll roller coaster. Please shut your eyes. Keep your hands and feet inside the ride at all times. And here we go. Five, <laughs> four, three, two, one. Ignition. Ah, ah, she's gonna be a star. Ah, uh, you know the rock and roll. I mean, she had, she wants to do it so bad. She's so excited about it. She knows it's the right thing because it's gonna be fun. But it's still what? It's scary, isn't it? You ever ridden a ride? You know. I mean, we, when we were in Colorado, we went to this adventure park thing, and, and, and all of the, the older um, cousins, member of the family, they did this mind drop and this canyon swing, and Doug and I found these amazingly comfortable benches to sit on while they're doing these things. And, but you could see it, man. They were I don't know. I mean, they were, yeah, they were scared on the canyon swing. They were scared, but they loved it. And that's what this is. is. Are you ready to go on a rock and roll roller coaster? Because I'm telling you, if you're truly going to stop some behaviors in your life and you're going to go, it's this incredible, wonderful, wild adventure, but it is scary as heck. Isn't it? When you really look at changing some behaviors in your life or, or getting out of your comfort zone and saying, I'm going to go do this now, that's some scary stuff, man. That is some scary, scary stuff. But Christ challenges us to do that. He challenges us to stop and, and to go. And the reason he challenges us is the scripture that was read earlier, which is the one main scripture, which is, what are we called to do? We're called to go make disciples. 
And if we're not willing to go on this scary ride and to quit some of the behaviors we're doing to stop and to go in some other areas, how in the world can we expect anyone else to do that? Interesting, when you look in the dictionary, that scripture doesn't say converts. Converts is a, you know, you're, you're called to go make converts. No, it doesn't say that because that's a one-time deal. Go in the water, you come out, we're done. It's called to make disciples. The definition of a disciple, listen to this, one who accepts and assists in continually learning and spreading the doctrines of another. Let me repeat that. One who accepts and assists in continually learning and spreading the doctrines of another. So the key words for us there are continually learning and spreading. We never, ever, ever get there. If we got there, we would be done, and we're not done. There's no one in this auditorium, there's no one who is a Christ follower, there's no incredible author or incredible speaker that has it all figured out. Isn't that great? If you really let that sink in, that's actually a very encouraging thing to know. Nobody has it all figured out. And we are called to continually learn and continually spread the gospel. So what's the challenge? The challenge is, just give me seven days until Jimmy speaks, and then forget everything I said and go with his stuff. For the next seven days, stop and go. So for stop, I know you're thinking, oh, here it comes, stop. He's going to hit us with you know, those big words and what we look at on the computer and maybe chemical addiction. You know what God's put on my heart for you to think about stopping about? But it's on you. You pray to God. And for the ones that God put on my heart to share with you, why don't we try stopping one of these for seven days? Being negative. Taking joy in other people's sorrows. Not being thankful enough for what we have. Why don't we stop living in fear based on any news story that comes out? Why don't we stop feeling like we're entitled? Why don't we stop laying blame when something bad happens in our lives and just realize either A, sometimes it's the consequence of our own actions, or B, sometimes bad things sometimes just happen. Sometimes it's not anybody's fault. But man, we like to blame. Why don't we stop justifying behavior that we know is wrong? Like our girls, Shipra and Puha, why don't we start looking for an opportunity to stop some type of injustice? And then on go, I ask that you pray and you dream big. That, that you think about maybe teaching, helping, going on a mission trip, going to camp. Be surprised. Do something that you think there's no possible way I would have ever done. That's the challenge. So now to end, how? It's one thing to throw out a challenge, but it's another thing to maybe give some ideas on how we do this. First of all, I'm going to ask you to walk in confidence that you can do this. When we lived in New Zealand a while back, I, I fell in love with this sport called rugby. In New Zealand, we were blessed with the best rugby team in the world. They're called the All Blacks. How cool is that to begin with? They just wear black. They just whoop you. They just wear black. New Zealand is a country of 4 million people. That's it. We know cities that have more than that, right? There's over 100 countries that play rugby in the world. And this small little country over the past 100 years has an 80% win rate. 
They've played about a thousand test matches over the past hundred years, ten, and so they've won eight, about 800 times. And on Amazon, they have this unbelievable documentary about the All Blacks, and what comes out over and over and over and over again is that's just their culture. That's their confidence. We need some of that. It's not cocky. They're known as a team that never talks smack. They're not dirty. They just beat you. They're just confident. All these other countries, South Africa, Australia, England, once every 12 years, England has to go get their buddies from Scotland and Ireland to take them on. They still get whooped. They have this unbelievable confidence. And the best thing I saw was they said, well, who's your biggest rival? And the all-black coach said, the biggest rival to the all-blacks is the all-blacks. Oh, that's so cool. It's this unbelievable confidence, right? And we need that. Because sometimes, i got to tell you, I lack confidence. And sometimes my lack of confidence comes in people that are closest to me, right? So I'm blessed to go have coffee once a month with your minister. I love Jimmy. He's encouraging. He's unreal, the things we talk about. But every now and then, Satan will whisper in my ear when we leave that conversation, yeah, see, that's a real Christian right there. He just ministered to you for an hour. Everything you said, psh, that didn't mean anything. Or maybe it'll come from members of my family, like my mom who has taught Sunday school for 50 years and goes up to the nursing homes. Or, or my sister-in-law, Allison, who I don't think Allison's ever had a bad day in her life. She's constantly happy. Drives me nuts. But my point of all that is, praise God, we don't have to compare ourselves to others. It's between us and the Lord. I don't have to be Max Lucado. I don't have to be Rick Ashley. I don't have to be my mom. I just need to ask the Lord, what are some areas in my life? So that's what I'm asking you to do. Don't let Satan whisper in your ear that you're not good enough. Have confidence. You with me? You can do it. You can do it. Now, part two on how, got to have the confidence, not cockiness, confidence. But number two, you have to have humility. My favorite verse, John 3.30. John the Baptist says this, For Christ to become greater, I must become less. Oh, I love that. A little context of that, they were, they were hitting John going, Hey, aren't you the one? And look at all the great things you did. You're awesome. And he was. I mean, he was the opening act. He was the Eric Church to the Kenny Chesney. I mean, he was the opening act. He was big. But he realized he needed to be humble. And so he says, for Christ to become greater, I must become less. So you Jimmys out there, and you Anns, and you Allisons, just remember, you got to keep pushing. You could be sitting here going, stop, go, I already stopped. Troy doesn't know. I already do this, 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 and this, and on go I do this. More. We want more. Christ wants more. The city of Kerrville needs more. So you be confident in who you are and that you can do it, but you be humble enough to realize you ain't there yet. Number three, the last one. Never, ever, ever surrender. All this is about is consistency. It's your new rhythm. It's who you want to be. You never want to become complacent. C.S. Lewis says complacency is one of the devil's biggest tools. Love me some C.S. Lewis. And it's so true. 
What usually happens here, or it does to me, I'll listen to Jimmy preach, and it's a 30,000-foot view, and I'll even talk about it with my family at lunch, or even that night I'll be like, oh, that was awesome, blah, blah, blah. And then Monday morning comes, and I don't implement any of it. Never surrender. Never surrender. Have consistency. We need to be a group of Christ followers who are ready to battle. We are ready to take on Satan. C.S. Lewis also says, the best thing you can do to Satan is mock him. I love it. Love it. You're not going to win. So a lot of you know that I'm a revolutionary war guy. It's been told, I don't know if this is true, that I might even dress up on the 4th of July. Say a couple of stories. But, but my favorite news story that I just want to... We're almost done. So in the Revolutionary War, there was a naval battle off the coast of England... And um, our, our ship's captain for the American forces was a dude named John Paul Jones. John Paul Jones was, was commandeering a ship called the Richard Bonham. It was old, wasn't fast, didn't have a whole lot of cannons. Up on it was a brand new English ship called the Serapis. The Serapis was faster, newer, way more cannons. Big battle, though. French was kind of teetering on if they were going to help us or not. Can you believe that? Let me repeat that. John, French, they helped us. Okay, So off the coast of England, you have this massive battle between the two, and, and not surprisingly, at first, the Serapis just whooped us. I mean, they were shooting cannons at us. They, they knocked us out. I mean, we're just kind of floating now. So the Serapis is going in for their victory. They're like, we got them. They say that there was 3,000 um, people from England on the shore watching, enjoying us losing. The Serapis comes up. The Richard Bonham, the American boat's kind of like this. The Serapis comes up close, and, and um, if they don't surrender, they're going to ram us. They felt like if they rammed us, it would break apart and we would lose. So they get up right here, and uh, the ship's captain calls out to John Paul Jones, and he says, do you surrender? And John Paul Jones says loud enough to everyone who can listen, surrender be damned. I have not yet begun to fight. Surrender be damned. I have not yet begun to fight. He ends up winning. It changed the war. We need that attitude. We do, church. We need to walk around confident like warriors that we can change the world, that we can stop some of our behaviors, that we can go and do amazing things for Christ. God can do amazing things through one, but there are 400 here this morning. Can you imagine what would happen in this church, in this community, if we had 400 behaviors that stopped and 400 new things that go? Can you imagine what this city would look like? I hope this starts something. I really do. And I'm going to challenge the church and the leadership, and I'm going to challenge you. And he's not here, and I know he's going to listen to it, but I'm just... Jimmy's an amazing preacher, amen? Y'all are blessed to have him. Unreal. Unreal. I have yet to walk in and, and have a bad Jimmy sermon. So Jimmy preaches once again, and, and he says these things that are awesome, and I'm begging you to start implementing those things in your life. I'm begging you, church leadership, to come up with ways to help the congregation implement a sermon in their life throughout the week. Just pray about that. And... The onus is back on us. It's not just something to talk about at Mama Sita's afterwards. 
It's something where he's read from God's word. God has put something on his heart to share with us, to be better Christ followers. And then it's up to us to say, we're going to implement it throughout the week. Can you imagine? Not just a seven-day challenge, but an everyday challenge. It truly would be something that would make Shipra, Puha, and Gideon proud. So, at the end of every sermon, we have an invitation. And for those of you out there that, um, you know, some of this stuff might be foreign to you or you're thinking, stop, go, what does all that mean? I can't, you know. I beg of you just to consider the ultimate stop and go, which is for you to just think about, and, and you can do it now. A lot of people here would, well, all people here would love for you to do it now, but if not, just to think about it when you get home and seek someone out that you can talk to. Just want you to think of some things right now going on in your life without Christ. How's that going for you? You know, how's that working out? Maybe it's producing some temporary pleasure, but, but is it really something that's feeding your soul? Is it something that, that you want for yourself or for your children? Just think about that. The ultimate stop is, is to have the courage to say, I'm going to stop being my old self, and I'm going to go be a son or daughter of Jesus Christ. I just ask that you think about that. And for those of us that have already accepted that, my prayer is truly that we will stop and go, not or. Let me end it with this. There's been times in my life where I've done a really good job of stop. I really have. But I didn't go. And when you take something out of your life, what does Scripture tell us? Even when Jesus would cast out demons. If you take something out of your life and you stop doing something, if you don't replace it with something, the go part, then the stop part will come back in seven times over. You hear what I'm saying? So I encourage you to think about ways that you can stop and go. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your scripture. Thank you for your stories in the Old Testament, Father, that, oh man, there's great nuggets. Wonderful, Father. We love them. And Father, thank you for the fact that you have allowed us the privilege of making disciples, of going out and, and continually learning your word, never stop growing, never stop changing, and then spreading that to others. What a what an amazing privilege we have to do that. Thank you for this church, Father. Thank you for people in this church that have already stopped and they're already going and doing great things, but let them do more, Father. There is always room for more. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We want to be people of joy and laughter and of peace. In Christ's holy name, amen.